0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa.
1: So on today's episode, ladies, we have Marian Bahadarkin. She is a mortgage broker, she's a real estate investor, and she gave us great wisdom around lending. And obviously the mortgage industry, but most importantly, we talked about the importance of talking to brokers who take a holistic approach. And she gives some great examples on how to do that. We even get into creative financing and all the products that are out there to serve investors that many people don't even know about because we do we talk to traditional lenders. So really appreciate this interview and you'll get some great golden nuggets on how you can position
2: yourself early on, right, Andressa? Absolutely, because it's the worst thing that you can do is to come to a lender when you just got a property on their contract. So we share here step-by-step what we recommend you to do way prior of you getting a deal on their contract.
0: Interest rates are sky high in 2023 and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent-to-Retirement? Rent-to-Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, they've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache free, high cash flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777.
3: Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company, safe, smart, secure.
1: Welcome back,
2: ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa.
1: Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. We do that through two episodes a week, right, Andressa? Mm -hmm. Published by Our Pockets. We do an interview style and we also do a mini-sode. So we're excited to have Marion on today's show. We're going to be talking about mortgages. We're going to be talking about negotiating. We're going to be talking about really good stuff when it comes to the world of mortgages, which we all need to know in this game of real estate investing. So thanks for being on, Marion. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Yes. Excited to get into Marion, uh, Marion's story and very powerful story and her background in mortgages. Before we do that, we always like to get connected to all of you amazing women and men who listen to our show. We know there's a lot of guys out there that like our show. So thank you for shout out me. to the ally. Shout out to the ally of, of men. And they're like, We love your show. But we like to get connected to you. We like to share a very quick tip, story, something that you can bring into your day-to-day before we get into our wonderful guests. So, Andressa, you are you're on the Docket here to share something. So, what what is coming up for you, my friend?
2: I'm going to talk about blind spot, right? Because when we talk with different women and say, "What what, what is holding you back?" and they usually say if there is money or time or knowledge support. That's what they think it is. The truth is, we do not know what is holding us back. That is our blind spot. Because hear me out on this: if you knew that that was the item that was holding you back, you'll be working on it. So it might not be. I I encourage you to think about the possibility that money might not be what is truly holding you back. Time might not be the same thing, right? So the, the reason why I'm saying this to you is because, of course, I have blind spots. Liz has blind spots. And, and together, I can see hers. She can see mine. And it's so important to be surrounded by a community of women that are not just vulnerable to share their experiences, but come to the table, come to play in the arena with you and support you within masterminds. And that's what our membership Strive is all about. We have successful women that are looking to scale, to build a team, to implement processes, and live life on their own terms, coming together live once a month to see each other's blind spot and support one another. Strive is much more than a a, a mastermind. We have pod mentorship and accountability. Our alignment calls because it's important for us that you are aligned to your values, to your goals, what you stand for. You wanna check more about Strive? Click the link below. Our doors are open if you'd ever, if you did not hear about that. We're opening the doors today at InvestorCon. Liz and I are there as we speak right now. <laughs> and we're opening the doors for our Strive membership. If you want to apply and get more information, click the link below the on our show notes and we'll see you there.
1: Awesome. Very excited. Very excited about that. Such w- Women doing deals and they're making things happen together. Yep. So it's awesome stuff. Just come play in the arena with us to level up your investing. So very cool. Um uh, Marion, without further ado, we'd like to jump into you and your story. And we always like to kind of ask the question, because I know you're you're an investor as well as you know the work that you do obviously with mortgages, but w- what propelled you to get into to what you're doing now with, with both investments as well as the mortgage industry, if you will? What how did that find you?
4: Well I'm sure like most people, right? I think studying financial security is very, very important having, you know, not just, you know, relying on like my business, the mortgage industry, as you know, the last couple of years versus, you know, today. So just having passive income, you know, eventually working on financial freedom and just not relying on a general paycheck. I think that's so important to me. And that's how I kind of got into real estate and investment.
2: Wonderful. And you were born in in a refugee camp.
4: Yes. Yes, I was. I was born in well, Thailand, but we escaped, you know, the refugee in Cambodia. So I think that kind of sets me, you know, gave me gave me the drive and the, the desire to want to succeed and build here. For
2: sure. Wow. And and the reason why we say that, because I think that we bring a lot of great with us, right? It is different. It's not just like, oh, you were born here and things were handled to you. And for the immigrants that are can can hear me right now, you know what I'm talking about, right? In the US, there is a quote unquote privilege that it's granted, that it, it comes with it, right? It, you are born within, so it's normal. So, for all the immigrants that are here that can hear it, there is a grit that, like a power within everybody that comes from other countries here, that many times they don't talk about. And I want Yeah, no, I. Yeah, for
4: sure, for sure. No, I think to add on to what you're saying, I mean, it, it's important to let people know that you don't have to come from something and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to come from something or have anything in order to have a drive and do it. So that's very, very encouraging for other people that came with nothing, you know, to want to do.
1: Yeah. And, and so walk us through, like you're raised by your, by a single mom, you had six other sisters, right? So seven, seven girls. Seven girls. Yeah, you're right, th- you're right. There's three of us in my family. There's three in undresses. That's that's double of the of the female energy. <laughs> what is that a lot like? of I just,
2: hormones.
1: I need to end with that. I don't know, bad. if I've ever, I don't think I've ever interviewed someone who had six sisters. Tell us a little bit about that. Like that kind of, especially being raised by a mom who, who was kind of keeping everything together at the home. Like what was that like? What were some of those early like learn lessons that you brought into who you are today? Well,
4: definitely is a, a lot of estrogen in the household, and you know we grew up very minimal too. On top of that, so not only that we have you know my mom and seven girls growing up, but it we grew up in a one bedroom apartment, so that's even worse, right? We're sharing like the cold showers, and sometimes my clothes are gone from the closet because we're practically the same size, so you know you don't know who to blame. So it's just a lot of women running around, and you know how that is, right? You can only imagine. So double the size. So I think it gave me. I mean, it was pretty chaotic, I would say, but at the same time, you know, it taught me resilient, right? I can work anywhere. I can, you know, focus in a crazy environment. You know, I think that's, it's easy to focus, you know, when, when things are easy and when things are quiet, but when you're dealing with chaos, you know, chaos, how do you propel forward, right? Like people say it's easy to deal with, you know, good things, but how about adversity? So I think it taught me resilience. It taught me how to just stay focused no matter what is going on around me. So that's I, very important.
2: And with the mortgage industry, right? When we think about mortgage many times, uh, what we hear from women is that, okay, this is what I was quoted. I don't know if I can negotiate it or if this is what it is. Why should I quote unquote shop around? It's, should. Is it, is it all like a standard process? Shouldn't they follow a regulation? Or there's a lot of questions that women uh, bring to the table when it comes down to mortgages. And uh, on on the information that we got from you, there are parts that are negotiable. So can we talk about that and make sure like all the women just grab like piece of paper and, and pen to take notes about this this part? Yeah, you know, it, of course, there are set guidelines
4: in mortgage, right? Like you can't, I mean, across the board, you know, you have your base interest rate, and there's several variables and factors, you know, things like general stuff like your credit score, right? And your, you know, we call it debt to income ratio, what your debt is versus your income scenario is. And then of course, there is the conforming loan amount in, you know, what every county has a limit. So, you know, the loan to value, how much you're putting down, all that plays a role into figuring out your interest rate, you know, that you can't really control. The guidelines are you know by the feds and so mm-hmm. we as lenders we have to follow that those are very important things and we don't want to you know mess with guidelines and legalities right but when it comes to negotiating right like rates you know as a broker myself you know people say oh it's set in stone it's fixed but you know there's always something you can do right women have to understand like can you buy down the rate or loan discount how does that work you know i think it's important to have somebody that can explain the difference for you you know like are you willing to for me it's like I rather pay a little bit more to get a discounted rate, especially right now because rates are going up. I want to lock my rate, a thirty-year fix. You know, I want to lock it at three percent if I could, and then generate income as opposed to just okay, like lock me in at four and a you know four and a half or five percent. So I think that you can negotiate and understand that how much does it cost me? You know, cost to buy down the rate. A lot of times, it's two per one rate. You know, you can pay a whole point and maybe lower your rate by half a point. So, you know, people don't know that, but you know, things are always negotiable, right? You can always negotiate. And it really comes down to what is your objective? Are you trying to cash flow, make income, or are you trying to save your income every month, you know, and and kind of work around that. So there is room to negotiate in the mortgage industry for sure. And then of course, you know, there are things, there are some, sorry, but there are things like maybe someone has a credit score that just, they're right at the cusp and they don't know what to do to, Kind of increase the credit score, and that itself can raise you know someone one eighth or even a quarter of a point. and you can kind of you don't have to buy right now, but maybe in thirty days we can pay off some debt, you know, and increase your credit score. you know, maybe we can put down a little bit more, you know, see your financial situation. So there are things that you can do to also adjust like your rate and negotiate in that manner as well
1: yeah, there's a, there's a few things I want to just talk through. i think I think what you're saying makes so much sense. i think I think so many times so many people don't have an objective in their mind, right? They call companies, they call a mortgage company, they call and just like, hey, I want to buy. It. And to your point, what's the what what are you really buying the property for? And what's the what are the goals of the property are really important questions because then everything else will will, you know, you'll get answers from. So I, I love that point. I, you know, thinking about thinking about different there's so many different mortgage companies. And not all of them may want to lend to for investment properties. So you know what? What are some of the things that that women can glean from more of a you know mortgage company that's more I, I want to call it an investor friendly, you know, if you will, because there really are I'm sure so many different, and I've been in the business a long time, and not all of them want to lend. Well, they you know, legally they can they can't say who they can and can't, but it's pretty obvious they want to work with you know first time homeowners. It's just you know just set scenes like that. And they make it very difficult or they don't even have products necessarily for investors. So what are some of like the the ways that women can vet mortgage companies to see once they understand their objective, right? They want to buy that short-term rental or they want to buy that small multi. And they can kind of ask those three key questions to that, to that lender that they meet at a networking event to assess, are they going to be able to be the right team member for me and the type of properties I want to buy? What are some of those things that women can really zone in on so we don't have to waste our time <laughs> and talking yeah. to folks that quite honestly, are, aren't going to be the best lender for us.
4: Right. And that's a very interesting point because, you know, when I first, you know, get got into the business, I, I talked to different people, men and women to see, you know, like my style, right. You kind of figure it out, but it's very important to, you know, most people know somebody in the business, right. But first kind of, you know, do your research, figure out if somebody had a good experience with somebody, and then maybe. It's okay to interview the loan officer or the broker you're working with. You know, I think it's important to have that relationship. Like for us, we're a boutique firm and we're we're service oriented. So if somebody calls, you know, or, or do you want to deal with a bigger company that maybe treat you like a number, or do you want to talk to somebody and see their follow up skills and what you know what concerns you have and then address those issues? You know, not so generally, but maybe focus on the specifics and try to try to work with you on your goals as opposed to, Oh, you want to buy a house? You want to get a mortgage? You know, let me just get this done for you. Right. So I think interviewing somebody is very important. And then, you know, like we do create a financing to answer your question. There are a lot of loan programs out there. You know, there's conventional loans that people don't always aren't able to get right. If you, you, you don't have a W2 or you're not a traditional employee, then you might want to assess, okay, what is my next option? Like we do create a financing. So we have programs like bank statement loans, we have equity lending loans, and we have, you know, just asset, you know, type of loans. So if someone's income rich, but asset poor, maybe they can get qualified traditionally, or if they have, you know, a tight income because their debt's so high, then they can look into maybe like a bank statement program. And, you know, it's very important to interview somebody and see, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to invest and but you know, I don't have this and this and this. And maybe the person they're interviewing can guide them through it. You know, like for me, if there's something I hate taking no for an answer. So if I can't do something, then I'll try to go into my book of network and contact people that can at least help them. If I can't myself help the person, then I can at least understand the scenario and the challenges and then go into my book of network and try to find somebody that can help them. So I think it's important to align with someone you work with, you know? So talking to them, maybe asking for recommendations and then doing research and then interviewing and then see if your goals align, see if you can work with the person and fit. I think that's so important because, you know, you can start working with someone and then they can ghost you. I mean, that's often like most people's complaint. Like, I don't know, this person never gotten back to me or I don't know where I stand or here are the initial disclosures, but it's different than, you know, the second disclosure or something. I just don't, I feel misled. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, for us, honesty, integrity, you know, integrity, being transparent and having the trust with clients are very, very important. You know, so it's just like if you you go into a relationship, right, you're going to ask them all these questions or at least get to know them, interview them and see if you guys are aligned. So I think that's very important to just feel the person now and see who you can talk to.
2: You know, I, I when I was uh, looking to purchase my my latest primary, I think I talked to no joke about eight different people. Right. Because primary is different than than investing. So I needed to talk to different different people. It was a wild west. It seemed that it was like every time that I was speaking with somebody, we were talking about a different scenario. And a couple of people looked at investors as, oh my gosh, high risk. I was like, I'm talking to the wrong person. We are not even talking the same language, I feel, here. How, uh, what else is there? So there wasn't a what else. What they were pushing, basically, was for an online application here minimal information about me and I was like mm. you're not gonna get that we're gonna have to right. run some scenarios here you're gonna run. I'm not just saying, oh, I cannot talk to you unless you apply and I run your credit I was like honey, that's not gonna cut okay <laughs> so let I, I know my credit let me give it to you and we run the numbers first and we do a mock or whatever it is but i think that a lot of investors don't have the knowledge in different scenarios in order to have a conf- the confidence to to come and say let's let's evaluate and they 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 knock at doors of larger institutions where there isn't a creative creative, creative financing aspect of it mm-hmm. if you don't have 2 years of your w2 it's just like you're out right so let's talk about let can we dive in a little bit more into the creative financing portion of it because I do believe a lot of investors are interested in that specific topic because right now what we have going on in the in the market and also a lot of investors that are self employed and their their money there are assets, right? but but the there are different scenarios. So the creative part, you mentioned three different types, right the 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 banking. Can we break that down in a little bit more about the different types based on the asset, the banking, and I forgot the third one,
4: yeah. so um well, obviously, the traditional lending that's normal, right? You have your sure. w two, you know your conventional f h a all those normal. And I always recommend going traditional lending first because you have the best interest rate. So for me, and then before I even go into that, to answer your question, there are a lot of people that want you to submit their application or documents before they can even give you the quote. And that's frustrating. I know for a lot of people, right? But, you know, most brokers or lenders that's in the business for a long time can gauge where you're at before they even collect your documents. Like, As long as you have an idea what your credit score is, what your general income is and what your debt, most people know that if you're not, then you might not be financially ready to be investing, right? Because you should know this basic question. Like, okay, I make like $5,000 a month. I have, you know, 2000 in my debt, you know, credit cards or payment. And then my credit score last time I checked, you know, 30 days ago, it's 740. So you can piece and, or I have 5% down, you know, you can piece the information and as a broker, I can say, okay, well, you fall within this for traditional lending. You're trying to purchase the house and, you know, I can quote them an estimated rate and then an estimated payment. I I don't think that that is hard. I think most people just want to gather documents because, you know, once they have that, then they can kind of get you further right in the process, but doesn't always necessarily mean they're going to be the best for you. But so, you know, with that being said, You have a traditional financing. So I always try to gauge, okay, if it's your primary home and you don't own a property yet, then let's try to put you in the best scenario or best loan option for you. If somebody takes your application or not know the information and want to put you in the highest risk loan, then that should be a red flag, right? Because those are high cost loans, right? You don't want to put somebody in there when they can qualify for traditional financing. So that's number one. And then number two, you know, there's assets financing. I mean, that's very case by case a lot of times because we do deal with like private investors. So so assets based on how much you have and how much liquidity you have and how much do you draw, you know, from your financial investment every month that can compensate for your, you know, income. And then we can qualify you based on the assets. And then, you know, I kind of work with different lenders that are willing to take that type of program. And then you obviously have, which I think, I mean, I really like the base statement program because it's kind of almost a cuss between your traditional financing, and then not so much like hard money because the rate's not as high as hard money loan, but it's still not as low as your traditional financing, but it's somewhere within the middle and you still can buy down the rate. You can still, you know, get the discounted points and then lower your rate if you want to. And that might be a smart option. And with the bank statement loans, you know, we do 12, 24 month bank statements, right. And that is, you know, for business owners. And actually we've extended it to employees also that have, or, you know, small business owners that have income generating every month. So if you're a service industry and you're, or a retail industry, and you're getting you know, deposits every single month, instead of using your tax returns, we can omit that. And your compensating factor would be using the bank statements to see what your average income is to qualify you. So we would say, you know, we make 10, $20,000 a month, but your average is 10, 20, 15, 10, 20, you know, for 12 months, we'll average that. And we'll say, okay, this is the average income that this person makes based on the 12 months bank statements. And then we look at the debt and then we can just utilize that. And that program is great because most people are most business owners on their tax returns will write off things, right? So your net profit doesn't really show as much. So when you're qualifying someone traditionally, you're looking at their gross income W-2. But when you're doing, uh, you know, a bank statement program for business owners, you're looking at their debt if you're using their tax returns. A lot of times they cannot qualify. So to use the bank statements, you're in essence saying, okay, whatever your gross revenue is, we're going to take that. And then different lenders that we work with, we may automatically cut off 50% off the bat and that's your debt. So 50% of whatever income you make on average is going to go towards your debt. And then we'll calculate your new, you know, PITI, which is your principal interest, you know, tax insurance, mortgage. And that would also be included in your debt. They'll take 50% off the bat and qualify you with the remaining. Other investors, you know, will have a different formula because especially if you're in a service industry, we know that your retail cost is not 50% off the bat. So like if you're a real estate agent, you're a tax person, whatever, you don't really have a lot of retail costs, right? Your service industry. So we might add more income back. So there's a different formula. Instead of taking 50% off the bat, we just take 25% off your debt ratio. So now you have a lot more gross income to qualify for. So what you couldn't qualify with your tax returns, you now can qualify because you have a bank statements. So, you know, these are like alternative programs that are really good. And then of course we have like the fourth one, which I don't really like to promote and sell unless, okay, option A, B, C don't work, then we'll go to D, you know, and D is you don't have, you can't fit in the conventional, you can't do asset, you can't do bank statements. So then we go to hard money loan, right? And hard money loan is, is, you know, most of the time they're private investors. So I have a group of, you know, investors that might want to lend. If I can't fit them in a hard money lender, then I'll go into my private lenders that are willing to collateralize the property and loan them based on these specs. So, you know, and then we'll go case by case and it's a hit and miss because, you know, if you have a good track record with an investor, right? Like if you're buying a lot of properties and you're getting loans from them, but you're paying on time over time, you have that relationship. So then you can you know, maybe negotiate further too on your next property, your third property, and so forth. So I would say those are like generally the different types of lending and you know creative as well too. Yeah, I think that's. Oh, I'm sorry, and and then yeah, of course one, there's always that the last thing with sellers financing, right? You could always do that too, but that's. That's case by case. You can always negotiate your terms and move forward. So there is seller's financing too. So you know, there's so many different options. You know, you don't want to just be like, I can't do it because I can't fit into one aspect or one category.
1: Yeah, and the fact that you have that many options in is is great. And I think that's something that women need to look for when they're talking to to, to lenders. First off, I think the other really important thing that you're saying that is another way to vet mortgage lenders is they know the customer that they're serving. Like you know the challenges. Of a business owner, right? As as you were talking, you're like, well, you know, you look at this, you look at that, you wouldn't do it, like you know the, uh, you know your avatar, and I think that's so important, right? Finding the right lender is that it, that, that they're working with people that um are like you, you know, and and it may not like look per- perfect. I mean, some there's obviously people who are part time investing with their with their W two and they have W twos a little more traditional, but a lot of us are self employed, right? And we don't have that W two. And 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 a lot of folks are like, whoa, you know, versus, well, here's what we do, what we can do with you. I think that's great. And I think that's something to really look for in lenders, right? That there's options. My question to you is, does it make sense? What I'm hearing you say too, and I, I think this is great, is for people to call you before they have a deal, to call you before they have the project under contract, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but we have to move quickly now in this market. We always have, you always have to move quickly as an investor. But now more than ever, even, even with what's going on, it's still competitive. The com- there's, it's still a competitive market, small multi, large multi, whatever niche you're in, it's not like you're going to be the only offer. You might be. That's awesome. But I, I don't know a lot of women's experience like that right now. So you got to act quickly. In order to act quickly, you got to know all your options and know which product can work for that particular. So do you kind of suggest that to, to, to women or not just to women, I'm sure to, to all people, but like that you kind of like run maybe some scenarios by lenders to, to kind of like vet them further to say, Hey, these are the kind of projects I'm looking to get into. To your point, you can go down this path, this path, we have this path, we have this path and this path, even if they don't have a project under contract. Is that something you suggest?
4: I do. I like a hundred percent recommend that, especially if time is of the essence, right? Like if you, you thought, you know, there's a deal waiting for you. You're not going to wait around. And most people don't, most people should have a lot of the documents requested, right? Cause a lot of it, you know, that you can save it like electronically, right? Your W tax returns and all that stuff. So there is a difference to get like a pre-qual versus like an underwriting approval. So if somebody is like in a rush, you know, we're not asking them for the full documents to get them, you know, underwritten or approved, right, conditionally. We're just saying, hey, let me know that like, here's the information they're gonna give you to just give them a pre-qual. And of course, like we do pre letters all the time. And I don't like to just put my name on a prequal letter if I don't at least see something, right? If if you have a recent credit score, you don't want me to run your credit that's currently, I understand that you might be shopping. Give me a copy of, you know, your credit karma. Let me see three of them and just show me your debt. So, and then your credit score and maybe show me like a couple of pay steps or, you know, something that I can look at so I can review it and then just prequalify you. And once I have everything, I can probably do it within an hour or two before we even have you fully apply and push you into the underwriting phase, right? Because if, if, if time is of the essence, you don't want to miss out on an opportunity. So you want to at least talk to somebody that can understand you and not just try to push you over, you know, to go, you know, full forward in order right. to even answer any of your questions. I think that's so important. You got to That's why interviewing, building somebody out, getting recommendation, talking to someone over and over a few people, and then figuring out, well, I like to communicate with this person because they're addressing my, my issue and my concerns specifically. They're not like working around or trying to get more information before they give me this. And I can tell you right now, if you give me your scenario, I can most likely tell you if you can qualify or not, you know, we, and, and not to, I forgot to mention there are, so many other things like you can even use your airbnb your short-term income rental too right to get qualified if you have a consistent 12 month history or something like you know so that's why it's so important to like just lay out your full financial picture be like hey these are this is what i'm working with these are my challenges like what do you think is the best option for me and i want to buy like this multi unit or this primary residence or what is or could this commercial property what is the most like the best option for me. So it's so important to get to the nitty gritty of your specific, you know, goal.
2: I want to get into Airbnb for sure. And I know the women that are listening are like, let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> Barry." And I do think that you be raised by a single mom and have uh, six siblings, right? Uh, yes. It allowed you to be extremely creative and work things out because that's exactly yeah. what, <laughs> with all, all those lines.
5: You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
2: I want to go back to one thing that you said that's so important, right? The credit score. You mentioned credit karma, and I heard this before that so there's mixed messages, right? Credit karma, it's not accurate, or other people say, well, it saves as a as a guide. So as you were saying, would you recommend, let's say, um, I don't want my credit to be run by different different lenders. If we had a, an account, if the the investor is, and we are not affiliate to Credit Karma, so just letting everybody know here, we're not recommending. It's just a hypo hypothesis, right? Just have, it's a free service. It's a pre- yeah, exactly right. So there we go. Have a Credit Karma account so we can the person can have an idea of what it is, and then share that with, with them how accurate that is.
4: That is a really, really good question. And I know I mentioned Credit Karma. Of course, like, you know, as a lender, we want their actual FICO, which we run ourselves, right? That was the true mortgage, like credit scores that you can get. We have to run it. Um, But I say Credit Karma because it is a good gauge for people that don't want to have, you know, inquiries, which, you know, to be honest, if you are shopping for a mortgage within like a few months, if you're running your credit within a few months, it is a softer inquiry. It's not like a, you know, a traditional credit card, a hard inquiry. So as long as you're doing it back to back, you can justify, oh, you know, I'm shopping for a mortgage. It's when you're doing like a mortgage this month, and then you're doing, a you know, a mortgage run in the next six months. And it's so sporadic, you know, the time difference, the time lapse is what really affects your score. But if you're doing within that time frame, it's okay. Now, if you don't want to do that, I say credit karma, because you can, re- you know, sign up for credit karma for free. I mean, you can pay for their other service, but you can at least gauge my biggest thing is looking at the debt that they, you know, all the debt that they have on the credit score. And what I do because I know that the credit score on credit karma is not necessarily like the FICO that we run, is I generally kind of ballpark it, right? Like so maybe with my experience, give and take, you know, 15, 20 points. So I would say, okay, if somebody's at a 700 credit score on their credit karma, maybe I'll I'll run a scenario or a rate based on 680, seven hundred just so I can not misquote them. And I think it's very, very important as a lender to be transparent and let people know, hey, this is not 100% a true sure. you know, quote. This is just an estimated quote. When I send out a letter or when I email somebody or I talk to somebody, I'm always like, hey, just so you know, this is an estimated quote based on the information that I receive that I see visually in front of me or at least told And, you know, if anything changes, you know, then the specs, if the specs change, then I have to change the rate and quote. And then it's always based on the index. So whatever the market does and your credit score and all these variables plus the market, that's going to also adjust and change. So it's very important to communicate that and not mislead people. And then the other option is, you know, I tell people you get like I think you get one free credit report, you know, free annual credit report. Dot gov every single year like you there's no reason why you shouldn't be checking your credit you can pay for the score if you like to but you get one free report from every single credit every single year on the government website so why not take advantage of that right so that also shows your debts and you know if there's issues and then you need to fix it's very important to track it and try to fix that before you go through the mortgage process and so that's on, option that. how how often that is updated i mean as far as your credit report, it should be updated like whenever they report it. So, you know, when you have different credit cards and different or loan or whatever on your credit, it should be reported within, it'll say on your credit report when it's reported generally it's 30 days or so, right? 30, I to, to, say, 45, 30 to 45 right? days. Yep. Yeah. So if you're trying to fix your credit, I want to say, you know, try to do it within two months, you know, give it like 45 days or so to fix it. If you want to pay off your debt or your balance, you know, pay it off 45 days before you rerun your credit again. I try not to run the credit. That's why I try to look at the credit karma report first. And someone will tell me why well, I just paid off my mortgage. You know, I just paid off this credit card last month. And if I don't see it reflected on their credit karma, then I'm like, well, maybe it's not a good time for me to run right now. Maybe we'll sense. wait in two weeks, you know, so I could, cause every time I repull it, you know, I might get, they might get a little bit of a hit, even though it's not that drastic. Like I said, within that time frame, you still want to be cognizant of that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. so
2: let's, let's talk about Airbnb, right? Because a couple of years ago, Airbnb was like not even on the map of, 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 of landing. Not that long time ago that things started changing and product, different types of product, products started coming um, to, to, to the plate. I remember when I started, we had to do a long-term rental for one year before we, quote unquote, converted to short-term rental the The income from the short-term rental was not accepted back in the day. When I started. But what is the scenario now? Let's give everybody an update on it. Let's say I want to buy a short-term rental, right? So there's no income there. What are, what are my options?
4: So I think a lot of lenders are still trying to position themselves, how they want to look at Airbnb income, you know, so on the back end, we always get updates and notifications, you know, we're going to be accepting this too. And so I think there are still a lot of confusion with the lenders and let alone, I can see like, you know, the general public have some sort of confusion, but what I would recommend is just like the bank statements, right? If you are depositing your income consistently, everything is based on consistency. If you can, you know, because Airbnb give you the option of depositing, you know, income into your account every single month, as long as you can track it, and then you get an end of year report of, you know, how much you make just for your tax returns. So I would say, as long as you have a consistent flow every single month, we can either utilize your bank account statement, or, you know, you can get um, a document from Airbnb to show the consistent income. And then of course, how you file your tax returns and all that. I would say, keep all the documents, show the consistency. And then the lender can look at that as a consistent income before it wasn't taken because, you know, short-term is not always consistent. But I think the key here is showing like 12 months plus, you know, 12 to 24 months of consistent income within that property being generated, you know, short term via Airbnb or, you know, short-term vacation, or whatever, then you can show that to the lender and then they can use that to average their income as well.
1: Are there other creative ways to kind of, you know, embark on that? Cause I'm also thinking about what, you know, what's happening in the market, right? So like to get this wonderful short-term rental property that has all this consistent cash flow is harder right now in, in a sense of, it's more like turnkey, meaning it, it is no value or there's no additional value that someone can add. And so much we talk about, right? Investing is taking something that's like, we had a woman we interviewed, took a duplex, I'm sorry, took a single family home and um, converted it to like a seven bedroom lu- luxury short-term rental. She didn't have 12 months worth of, of you know, kind of proof of, of the income because she, she created the value, right? She, she has it almost like moving forward. So what what happens in those scenarios for the people who are converting, getting creative, fa- adding value, which is really honestly where where we make our money. Right. As investors, they don't have that 12 months, you know, it's more projected. Is there any other creative ways to to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, 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 all if,
4: so if you're taking a single family primary resident into seven units, then you're yeah. really going from residential to commercial. Right. because one of four, one of four units considered um, within, you know, residential still. So Mm -hmm. if you go above that, then you have to now look at a a lender that's willing to do commercial. So Mm -hmm. that's a good point because we do, there's construction, although like during COVID, a lot of those programs were frozen, but they're slowly coming back construction, fix and flip, right? So you have programs with, you know, they're almost like hard money lenders. They'll look at your, you know, assets, your liquidity. So if you have like a million dollars bank, they're willing to loan you up to a percentage of for the development. So they can do like ground up development project or, uh, you know, with X amount down, depending on how much you have in the bank, you know, that can be a shorter term loan and that's based on projection too. So they'll do like an appraised value of what is currently worth and what the projected appraised value would be once you develop the property. So that will be more like a construction type of loan. And uh, you know, and that's shorter term, usually it's 12, 24 months but you can go that route. And then, you know, again, we will look at the totality of the financial and see how much money you have in the account. What's your experience? A lot of times if you, you know, maybe flip two properties a year and you show profit, then a lender can look at that as, okay, this person experienced, they have, you know, a hundred thousand, a lot of times they'll load up to 10 times the amount they have a hundred thousand in the bank we will loan up to 10 times, you know, we'll do a 90% loan to value. They have experience and we'll hold the load for 12, 24 months and then They'll look at it like that. So the totality yeah. financial and then they'll qualify you based on flip. And then if you're gonna change it to commercial, now we have to figure out, okay, has it been permitted? We'll deal with the contractors and we put you in a commercial type of program. So we're just completely a different type of ballgame than residential, you know?
1: Well and I think that's why the conversations have to be had prior to you know to 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 the you know to actually needing the loan. <laughs> like this is a couple like even just throwing those scenarios out to someone that you're working with, especially someone who, like yourself, that can, you know, navigate all these different, you know, kind of areas and kind of be a resource. I think that I'm, that's what I'm hearing is, is you're truly being a resource and saying, if anything I can can help you, you know, and I think that's the kind of mortgage brokers, bankers, fill in the blank, but these are the kinds of people that really are going to be who the right team members are, right? They're, they're a resource. They're not just right. a mortgage broker. Um, you I have to really
4: work backwards. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. have to really work backwards. You have to understand someone's story and then fit them, right? So if you go to, yep. you know, like if you tell me your scenario, you know, I've, I I located this property, but I I don't have the money, you know, I want to buy it, I want to build it, but you know, this is how much money we have and we just have to understand what is the story, what you're looking for and then, yeah, and then place you and fit you in that particular program. So it's so important for people to be honest through the whole process because, you know, you don't want to say, I want to feel Two units, and then in the process you build four units because right. then everything gets out of whack, and then you can't really move forward, and then now you're stuck, and then you're paying interest rate on the money borrowed, but then you're not really moving forward. Which you know? so it. yeah. very absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. yeah. You said something also really important. And Justin and I talk a lot about partners and partnerships, especially as you scale or you're getting into some sort of new niche. And people always talk about you know someone being potentially a private lender or like they're they're going to you know be the money partner if you will. And that's how we built our business credit score personally guarantee. but you said something else that was really really important and i think i got a chance to understand the importance of this as we scaled into larger multifamily was liquidity that's really a very important piece of the puzzle as you scale and as you buy you know and you shift and change so if you don't have one thing a lender's going to want to see that and it just makes sense not just the money you're going to put in the property but actually what that liquidity is and as we scaled into larger multi that liquidity has just, you know, gotten a lot, gotten a lot larger of what, you know, the general partner's liquidity is. When I was in small multi and doing those kind, I would never heard liquidity as much as we do now. So I just, regardless, I just wanted to put a, I wanted to put a, a pin in that for the women l- listening because we talk a lot about partnering in our community and with our members and all that good kind of stuff. Especially our Strive members, we talk about partnering, partner certainly on you know money partners and credit score and all those pieces, but liquidity is also something that if you don't have, and you are looking to get creative, it is really helpful for a partner to have, because that's just, they are more bankable, right? There's more security, Right. There's, they're, they're, they're less of a risk. So we don't always talk about that, Andress and I, but I just wanted to make, put a pin in that, because that does a great point. <laughs> and it's something that I become so much more conscious of as we've scaled, because it just, it becomes even more important. So,
4: right. And you know, you have to, I always try to, educate people like you have to look at your position as a lender as well. Or even if you're borrowing money from your parent or family, right? You have to have the ability to repay the loan. So if you're tight in every aspect of your life, like yep. if you're maximizing all your credit cards <laughs> and you're maximizing all your loans and you're in, in debt in every left and right corner, you're, they're going to look at you as a really high risk because you don't have the ability to repay the loan. So the more assets you have, the more money you have, the more you know liquid you are. Whether it's you or your partners, which I do recommend, most people don't have it themselves. Don't stop because you can't do it yourself. Find a couple partners that are willing to do it for you. Even if you have the skill set, but your partner has the assets, right? You're trying to like feed it off of each other. So it's very important to look at it from a lender's perspective and like they're not going to loan to me. I'm high risk. I don't have the ability to repay the loan. You know, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even
1: re- lend money to m- somebody else if they can't repay me back. You know, it's a great point, right? To, to even self evaluate. And then as you get into these conversations with different lenders, how are they viewing me? And if I'm high risk, how do I reduce that? Right? How do I mitigate right. that risk? We talk about that with properties, but we also need to do it with lending. So I love that thought. Exactly. Um, Marion, this has been great. Appreciate your, your insight into this. I think a lot of people get very overwhelmed sometimes because there are so many options and choices, but I love your kind of holistic approach. And uh, that's that's excellent. So, where can the ladies listening learn more about you?
4: Of course, you know I have social media. You can get, you know find me my Facebook, my full name, right, that long last name, and then also at Instagram at Marion Be Real because, and then my website is MB Real Services. They can go there as well, and yeah, check it out. I mean, my name will redirect them there.
2: Awesome! All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're gonna transition to our fabulous three questions, and the first one. Marianne, what is the most transformational book you ever read?
4: Well, I kind of have two. I mean, I really like, um because I'm pretty spiritual. So I, I really like Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, the, yeah, the four agreements agreement. and the fifth agreement. Yes, I really like that. The Toltec. I mean, I follow that wholeheartedly. And then I just recently reread Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> I really <laughs> like Hannah. that book too, right? Because we all worry so much in the day-to-day. The day and age. So it's good to kind of like focus your mind and get centered. So that's so important.
2: Wonderful. The second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you?
4: Well, it's so important. Like I get out in nature, like almost every single day. I think it's important to, you know, like I run at the river or the ocean and do a little meditation to get my day going. You know, I think through the the calmness and meditation is where I kind of, you know, get the information of where, what direction I want to focus myself and how do I want to grow. And, you know, I give myself little goals, you know, and like goals that I can accomplish and challenge, right? Like I think it's very important to set goals that you can hold yourself accountable to, but not, a, you know, a drastic goal that you're going to feel discouraged. So I think having some form of holistic approach, like meditation for me or just being out in nature, you know, to get my day going is very important.
2: The last question is which woman famous or not has inspired you the most?
4: Well, that's a no brainer. I know everyone says their mother, right? But of course in my situation, my mom is definitely my, my superwoman, superhero. Like I don't think I've met any other woman that's like her, you know, coming from, you know, from a refugee camp. She was a slave for 16 years, you know, coming here by herself and who knows suffering all these traumas and then raising us and making sure all the women, like my sisters are all driven and focused in their own right. So kudos to my mom. She's amazing. You know, she's tough, but she has a good heart and she's kind of made us who we are.
2: What's mom's name?
4: Um, I would call Mama Tina.
2: All
1: right. Mama Tina. Tina. <laughs> she sounds like an amazing woman, you know, <laughs> Yeah. but Marion, thank you so much for, for being with us, sharing your wisdom with us and really appreciate your time today. So thank you.
4: Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Andressa. Appreciate thank you guys. You. Good luck.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thank you.